It's time. That's right. It's the In Time Wrestling Podcast with your boys. I wasn't going to say New Day because we're not the New Day. So, but we're back again. Episode number eight, I believe. I think so. Now we're chugging along. We're still chugging along, as I guess you would say. It's been a pretty interesting week, I would say. Especially now that the IWC has officially melted in fucking... A giant pot right now and doesn't know how the fuck to even react right now because even I don't still. What do you mean? It's been a slow news week. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop it. Hasn't even been close to a freaking slow news week. My God. And as much as I don't even fucking pay attention to the news, all I see is people talking about the news. Well, that's all, all people are even talking about anymore. I know. When certain something else was the big main fucking talking point beforehand. But now this just seems to have fucking overshadowed everything in the world right now when it comes to wrestling. But we're back to cover AEW and NXT of this week. And I just want to hop right into it right now. Let's just start with the the big news as we've been talking about. It was recently announced that, I believe it was yesterday. Was it yesterday or the day before? Uh, I think it was the day before, if I remember correctly. Yeah, one of or those it two. Was, it was either yesterday or the day before. One of those two, it came out that Cody and Brandy have officially left AEW. And the IWC went on a tirade. The The throaters started crying. The E-drones <laughs> fucking threw their hands up in fucking celebration. The rest of the wrestling fans that are actually just pure wrestling fans are sitting on the sidelines just debating on what's going to happen next at this point just twisting all this shit in their minds and going well this could happen well this is going to happen and then it came out that apparently quote unquote which I still am not going to believe it until I see it that Cody was in talks with WWE to come back immediately I told you God, how weird does that sound? Cody going back to WWE after two plus years, maybe even more, of shit talking the ever-living fuck out of them. And as soon as his contract expires, it's just, hey, will you guys take me back? I have my wife. We can make this happen. Like, it's, it's such a fucking bizarre, like, moment right now. It's yeah. so weird to like to sit in your like after seeing AEW for two plus years and looking at it and seeing Cody and him doing all the stuff that he did before AEW even came around and you were just like, Yeah, that's Cody. That is Cody now. But then you're looking at this and you see this situation of him probably going back to WWE. And it's just like, 
what is this? What fucking timeline have we slipped into? 2022 literally has dipped into the fucking Twilight Zone. Already. And we haven't even barely begun the year. We're only, what, the second month in? We're literally six or 17 days into the second month. And we're already talking about Cody Rhodes potentially going back to WWE. Yeah. this All this talk about, well, if after all the jumping ship from WWE to AEW and all the... Who's gonna leave a? Who's gonna be the first to leave AEW? Well, then it's fucking Cody of all people. Yeah, the, everyone, everyone was, would like make comments about WWE people jumping ship to AEW, and they'd be saying they it would be two sides. It'd be either oh, AEW only signs WWE people, or it would just be like oh cool, this guy's now in AEW. But it's, everyone, I think everyone deep down inside thought to themselves who would be the first person to jump ship from AEW to WWE and I don't think anybody I don't think you could I tell don't me think anybody. a single person would have said Cody Rhodes and actually believed it yeah no I wouldn't if you'd have told me this without me seeing it like which I already did and I sat there and just saw people talking about it so I had to do my digging and I had to look it up and then I saw Cody put his statement up there. And then I saw AEW put their statement up there about it. And I'm like, this is this is legit. And I'm like, how is this legit? Like, here's my take. I'm still, after all these years, I've lost my fandom for Cody. I used to like Cody. Same. But after seeing what he did in AEW and all the overbooked garbage stories and... This feel bad for me mentality because my best friends hate me fucking thing. And, oh, I threw myself right into this position of if I can't win a world title fucking a month into the company, I if I don't win the world title, I'll never challenge for it again. Like, what the fuck? Like, I've lost all my shit, like, all my liking for Cody. Yeah. He showed me that I shouldn't have to yeah. like him, whether he's babyface or heel, because everything's got to be this melodramatic, fucking overbooked shit. That's just like, oh, is Cody gonna bleed? There's like, he's got to bleed. He's got to freaking have go in there with an injury. He's got to have this happen to him. He's got to have Brandy get attacked. He's got to have fucking Arn get attacked. He's got to have his brother get attacked. Like, he's got to overcome all the odds, you know. Cody puts on the fucking cape and saves the day. Da 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 da. Like adrenaline in my soul. You can just fall in a fucking hole. Like it's fucking like I'm not into Cody. And honestly, like this is the main thing I said. As soon as they said he was gone, I'm like, that's a shocker. Yes, but really, wherever he ends up, really don't give a shit. Like I'm not gonna be like, oh man, I can't wait to see Cody. Like yeah, and. To the people that are saying that it's all just a work. If it is a work. Think, do you think WWE is that stupid to be like, you know what? We can see right through this, Cody. 
we can see that this is a storyline, so we're gonna we're gonna go right go go, go right along with yeah, it. WWE just going along with the with quote an storyline. Yeah. Okay. Nice try. It's not story. Cody is gone, and he'll most likely be in WWE. I would assume after Elimination Chamber because. I don't think they're saving him till after Mania. We talked about what could be Cody's thing going into Mania, and we and you threw out Edge. And I swear to fucking God, if I see Cody Rhodes facing Edge, and you had AJ Styles right there, <laughs> we're gonna have fucking issues here. Like... I don't need this overbooked fucking schmoz shit of Cody going, oh, I left the company and I've made myself better and I gotta overcome Edge because I need that rub. What? No. Fuck out of here. You make sure that Edge faces fucking AJ Styles at WrestleMania this year. Nothing else. Cody can go and fucking... Dilly dally with the Miz. There's your fucking WrestleMania feud. Welcome back. You and Brandy can fucking stink up fucking WrestleMania night, whatever fucking night they're gonna be on, with the Miz and fucking Maurice to the point that people wanna walk out of the fucking building because they have to watch Brandy Rhodes wrestle and the Miz and Maurice. It's pretty much saying that Cody's the only part in that fucking story that would be interesting, but you know what? Fuck me. And I I think the thing about this whole Cody schmoz, the, the whole thing that is really telling is the reported reason as to why he decided to leave. It's was it's being reported everywhere that he left because he was upset that Tony Khan took his creative power. And here's the fucking thing. This is one thing I'll actually give Tony Khan as a good job. Because the way those fucking guys ran the company, being EVPs while being active competitors is horseshit. Yeah. Nobody should be on the fucking books doing the booking while you're being an active competitor. That's not fucking right. If Tony literally said, you know what, this is kind of bullshit. I'm pulling you guys from this and I'm taking everything from there. And you guys go have to do have to be active fucking competitors like you're supposed to be. Then I understand and I give him a pat on the back and say, good job. If yeah. that's the reason why. Like it doesn't make sense for those guys to be active competitors and be booking everything. Because especially when they're going to be like, well, I'm about to have a match, so I have to win this. I must win this, you know? And especially, also, the other thing that was brought up was the fact that Cody wanted way too much money than what Tony Khan was apparently willing to spend and with the other reports that WWE has offered Cody a multi-year deal worth like three to five million dollars. That is fucking insane already. Just hearing that. Because that is the first time I heard that. And that is fucking insane. Because I don't look at Cody as a top star. 
I'm sorry. I'm not looking at Cody as a top guy. Well, by all. by all accords, if he's going to WWE, he's going to have to be. Vince is booking him apparently as a top star. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, honestly. If he's going to be that guy, he's probably going to have some way where he's going to get this overbooked fucking schmoz shit where he's probably not going to bleed this time. So that's our fucking plus out of that. We'll never have to see Cody bleed again on a fucking random ass feud. Yeah, bleed for everything because, oh, Cody's got to overcome the odds and now it's got to look like he's got even more odds to overcome because he's bleeding. Like, uh, fuck yourself. Just... But when you even think about it, if you're like an, like you said, an e-drone or a fucking AEW sexual, if you're... No, throater, get it right. They're the same thing. No, sexual is they take it everywhere. A throater is you just take it straight in the mouth. Well, whatever. If you're one of those sides, the a, the e-sexuals just have completely swapped sides with Cody. They're just like, oh, everything he does in AEW is awful. And then these reports come out and they're like, oh, Cody's going to be so great. He's going to be a great addition to the roster. And then you have the fucking AEW sexuals that are just the opposite way. Everything in AEW that Cody did was, oh, wow, this is so great. And now he's going to WWE and they're gonna, he's going to be, they're like, oh, well, it's we've gonna be shit. We've saw it's a career suicide. <laughs> we've saw people compare it to a quote unquote career suicide to a he gave up all this stuff to go be second best to Roman Reigns. I'm not naming names. If you've seen the tweets, you get your laughs at it, and that's it. Cause it's fucking stupid. Alright? This is just it, it it's kinda obvious. That Cody was going to be thrown like he was not like he would never have came back if he wasn't going to be a top star. And then, and then also there's the people like us, the smart people that don't give a shit about either fucking show, or we do give a shit. We give a shit about both show, but we don't we're care in, if they're on either show. We're, we're gonna impartial. Give, we're gonna give a shit. We're like, oh, we don't like Cody on AEW. So we will most likely not like Cody on WWE. I mean, it's going to get worse. <laughs> it's going to get worse because Brandy. Can you imagine having to add Brandy Rhodes to any of those already fucking suffering women's divisions? Hopefully they just don't bring her in. Hopefully they just don't fucking bring her in and don't fucking immediately strap a championship on her. I don't think they will. Because I swear to all that is fucking holy, if Brandy Rhodes... Brandy Rhodes wins a fucking women's championship in a month or less. I'm going to lose my shit completely. That is not fucking some way to help your women's division. She couldn't even help her own women's division in AEW. Oh, my point before i never even finished the fucking statement i'm all over the place that's probably what's gonna happen with this episode we're gonna be all over the fucking place and there's the title all over the place the the reason why cody left it's being reported like i said that it was because of his creative control being taken away and because that tony did, didn't think he was worth the money he was wanting okay did all these things 
being added up just proves the point that I've made multiple times, either on live tweets or on this show. I'm pretty sure I've said this before, that Cody Rhodes is a gigantic egomaniac. Yes, an absolute fucking egomaniac. If this doesn't show you that he is, then I don't know what will. The fact, the fact that you need to open your eyes the like, fact and pay attention that to that WWE is offering him three to five million dollars for a contract, and apparently that was too much. That wasn't. That wasn't even the reported Amount numbers Tony that gave him? Tony was going. That Cody wanted Tony to offer him. Wasn't Cody supposed to? Wasn't Cody wanting three million? But that doesn't make fucking sense because, in all technicalities, he was already making three million. So that means he wanted more. Yeah, he wanted more than three or three to five million dollars. So Tony fucking threw out what? Probably in between. More he probably likely. he probably did less because he said oh, that he wasn't God. worth that. Yikes! Yeah, Cody's a fucking egomaniac. That doesn't. Oh my God! Just. And this is this is also just WWE feeding his ego. They're like, we've seen what you've done on the on th- that show. We don't know. <laughs> we don't even know the name of it. That, that show you were doing. We're we've seen it all. You three to five million dollars. What do you think? Kid? <laughs> if you're willing to forget everything we did beforehand, three to three to five million dollars. I, I I just don't. It still just doesn't make sense. And the thing that's fucking bizarre about the whole thing is I literally said Cody has no options but to go back somewhere or do something else that's not a fucking even in wrestling at that point. Yeah. Because like, literally he had Cody Cody's ego will not let him go to, to impact because they have fucking sixty thousand viewers. He's already been there anyway. And what and it wasn't really fucking worth Yeah, his ego that. won't let him go back to impact, nor to fucking New Japan because you can't fucking fly to the out of the border. At yeah, this point. and it's not like he would go back there anyway. I don't get why he would go there. He's not going to go to a- again NWA or MLW, even though NWA would be perfect because yeah. his history and his fucking family's name. They need somebody else that's a fucking egomaniac that's not fucking Nick Aldis. Did I say that out loud? Oopsie fucking daisy. And this this is the point that I brought up. I don't know, I don't remember if it was last episode or two episodes. I don't remember what episode it was. This proves my point that in wrestlers' eyes, there are two companies. Everyone else doesn't matter. That sucks, big time. Nobody yes. nobody goes. You know what? I'm a free agent. I'm gonna go to Impact. I'm gonna go to MLW. I'm gonna go to NWA. I'm gonna go to ROH when it comes out. No, they think, well, I'm a free agent. Do I go to WWE or do I go to AEW? It's just, it sucks to say that because you have all these other companies out there and they all just get pushed to the wayside because of the top two. The only company that gets at least somewhat of the same traction, like not, not, not on like equal levels, but like somewhat comparable, like... Like, this is AEW, or, like, WWE, this is AEW, and, like, down here is GCW, the yeah. one I'm take, talking about. GCW seems to get a lot of people showing yeah. up. Yeah, they have so many people showing up like, for appearances. Like, and it's like, like, I've talked to people before about it. 
the thing like when all people get pissed off, like when we get releases and all that shit, it's because look where they've been. They've already made it to the top. When they get released, where do they go? It's either you blow AEW or you fucking go backwards and go back to the fucking indies. That's all it is at that point. And that's what fucking sucks. Because again, you don't want to see these people go backwards. They want to stay up. You want to see them up in the top and still shining like that. Like eventually even the people that are still in the indies, that's the fucking point is to get up to AEW or WWE at that point. But when they leave there, you only have one option to stay at the top or you go back down. And then the other thing that I was, I thought about is if you're looking in the perspective of AEW, Mm -hmm. if you're a roster member of AEW Mm -hmm. and you see all this going about and you see the report that Tony Khan didn't want to offer Cody Rhodes the money he wanted. What does that... That has to make you think that he won't offer you the money that you think you deserve. Yeah, that's a fucking Imagine if thought. you're the like of like a, a one of the, the, the young bucks. Yeah. They come in. They don't have their creative control anymore. They're just a wrestler and an EVP. Well, now they're not EVPs now, so... Well, they are EVPs, but they don't have creative control. <sighs> Come on. So they're EVPs, and they're wrestlers. Clearly, Cody was an EVP, and that didn't stop fucking Tony Khan from not offering him a, con- a contract and having him walk out the fucking door. Think of it in the perspective of the Bucks and Kenny. The one thing that... You could walk in, your contract is completely done, you walk into Tony Khan's office, be like, let's talk out a con- a new contract. And you're like, I want, like, a multi-year, like, a four-year deal worth, like, two and a half million dollars. And Tony's like, ah, I don't know. I don't think you're worth two and a half million dollars. And they're like... What the fuck are you talking about, exactly. Tony? They are... Are you fucking kidding me? And then you walk out the fucking door, and then you go to WWE like everyone wants you to fucking... wanted you to do for years. Mm-hmm. Again, and then what happens if they did go there? Everybody fucking hops on fucking social media. is like, it's career suicide. The Bucks are going to be so fucking drowning in this company. And same thing with Kenny, like... And then the thing that fucking sucks is to me, I remember seeing something about that fucking Kenny and the Bucks and those that were in New Japan that left to go do AEW and all that stuff. Last time I seen something was New Japan was pissed at them for leaving. Yeah. Yeah. So did they burn those bridges of ever getting a chance to go back? They might have. That would I would suck for them. Because then that literally means you go lower... When they ever do leave that company, they either go lower than where they think they're going to go, or they have to just suck it up and go, well, I guess we're going to WWE. And as much as people want to say that AEW's roster is fine without Cody, which it is, it's sure, it's, yeah. it's fine without Cody. The roster's huge have, enough. Because you still have Brian, Mox, 
uh, Adam Cole, Adam Page, Kenny, the Bucks, CM Punk, CM Punk, MJF, Darby, Sammy, Jericho, all these fucking people. Mm-hmm. But what happens in the scenario when the Bucks don't get their contract extended? Yep. When Omega doesn't get his contract extended? When Brian do- when Brian retires? When Punk retires? When Jericho retires? There's a lot it of stuff. forces Tony Khan into this situation where he can't just keep bringing people in to say, hey, we got him. Yeah. Here he is. Mm-hmm. He has to start booking them like the caliber of wrestler that they are. There's the people. Like Miro. Where the fuck is he? He's on the cartons. Yep. <laughs> That's where the fuck he is. <laughs> He's on the fucking cartons with fucking Veer. I thought you were going to say with Brian Cage. With Brian Cage, we can say he's off there because he was at Warrior Wrestling. If you yeah. saw Warrior Wrestling, he was there. So we take him off the carton. The more these people leave, it forces Tony Khan to book the people that he's not booking correctly yeah. like they should. Miro. He's got to push Sammy. He's fucking labeled as one of the pillars. Book him like one. He's Darby, another pillar. Book him like one. MJF, he hasn't won a title. How is he a pillar if he hasn't won a title? He's also lost a shit ton of feuds if you think about it too. Which fucking blows. Except for this CM Punk one. Like, AEW's putting themselves in a position where they're kind of fucking themselves. They're signing, they're just spending money on talent to load it up. But then... They're not using them, the lower half of the talent pool that they want, that they should be using. And eventually when they don't fucking get used, they're just going to want to leave. And then, so then it was wasting money. Speaking of bringing people in, we'll talk about this when we get to the actual show. But by all accords, it seems like they're bringing in Buddy Matthews. They teased him in the fucking House of Black promo. So you're telling me, as much as I love the prospect of Buddy Matthews joining the House of Black... You're bringing in Buddy Matthews, how aka much did that, Buddy Murphy, how much did on that a contract. Cost <laughs> how much did that cost? First of all, how much did that cost? It couldn't have been millions of dollars because I'm sorry, Buddy Murphy is not millions of dollars worth of a contract. He's, He's fucking, fantastic, but not millions of dollars. Eventually, if he was, if he'd have gotten himself to that level, like outside of the company before he got there. It would have been a different story. Exactly. But he hasn't gotten there yet because he's just been floating around doing whatever at the point. Because he's been in fucking an indie promotion to wrestle Brian Cage. He had the match with Okada, but then I haven't seen jack shit of Buddy Matthews since then. But the point I was trying to make is you're bringing in Buddy Matthews on a contract that I'm hoping is not millions of dollars worth, you're bringing him in, the caliber of wrestler he is, to be in a fucking faction. Are you, What is it with this fucking company in their fucking factions? That's a good point. Like, these Some of these factions need to end. For the love of God. That's why the inner circle. Thank God Just the inner circle. fucking ending. stop it. Inner circle needs to die. Hardy family needs to fucking break up. Just end the fucking goddamn factions. You don't need to fucking.
can make another faction when you end a faction. That's the one thing that it gets really fucking difficult with New Japan. Because a lot of their shit is all factions. Everybody's in a faction, pretty much. There's a few people that aren't in a faction, but everybody else is like in one. You have Chaos, you have LIJ, you have Suzuki Goon. Now you have the fucking United Empire with Osprey, like... And they have Bullet Club. Yeah, they have Bullet Club, which everybody seems to fucking join. Everybody who leaves Chaos or freaking LIJ or Suzuki Goon, they all fucking just resort to Bullet Club. Nobody turns face anymore. Nobody goes face, nobody goes heel and tries to fucking turn LIJ heel again. It's just everybody goes to Bullet Club. Everybody who leaves a faction just throws up the two sweet every time. It's just... It's because fucking... They get bloated. And, and it's, it's ridiculous. New, it's because New Japan is run by fucking... Uh, Gato. Who's part of fucking Bullet Club. Yes. Who fucking is the manager... Is the manager of Jay White. So they're literally just like, you know what? We'll book all these fucking factions and then they'll get stale. And you know what? We'll fucking break one out, and we'll send him to Bullet Club. That's why to me. Fine to me. That's why, as much as everyone was like in shock when Show turned on Yo, and joined Bullet Club, it was fucking stupid because Bullet Club's just adding random ass fucking people at this point. You turned evil fucking heel to join Bullet Club. The fuck? The hell sense does that make? You turn show on yo to join Bullet Club. Like, what the fuck? There's so many people leaving factions. Leaving the, the main three, like these what, these three factions, and just floating down to the other. Like, eventually they're gonna get bloated. Like, if you want fucking Bullet Club to be the New World Order, fucking, you're gonna fucking find out that it's not gonna work that way. Can't overbloat that shit. Again, we just went on a fucking tirade of everywhere at this point. We, but started, we started with Cody and ended with fucking New Japan and the Bullet Club. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of those fucking things. Like, again, it's just where I'm, like I said, I'm not crazy for Cody. I'm not really throwing my arms up in fucking celebration wherever he goes. Yeah, just because he's going to WWE, I'm not just going to be like... Oh, well, I remember all the times I used to love Cody. I yeah. gotta love him now. Yeah, no. No. Just fucking... His entire run with AEW was... Feel bad for me. Look at how I triumphant and overcome these odds. <laughs> like John Cena used to do. Do-do-do-do. LOL. Cody wins. Mm-hmm. But I think we can move on from this. We kind of left where we were at with this. We went 30 minutes fucking talking about <laughs> But let's get into the shows. We're going to start with AEW because... We might as well. We're on the fucking topic of the show, right? basically. So, this was a really good show. There was, again, things that I didn't fucking give a damn about. But there's stuff that I liked on this show. There is one major dud in this show, which we'll get to. Okay, so the show kicks off with Punk pretty much announcing his time, date, location, 
and type of match that he's gonna his he's gonna have in his rematch with MJF. So he's sitting in the box talking about how when he brought up the whole MJF calling himself Piper in Portland, that he's Brett in Canada, that he's Punk in Chicago, and I'm like, why do I have a feeling this is gonna be like full circle on this? So when Punk opened the box. The first thing I thought of was, because he, he said a dangerous match. This one's going to be one of those, like, really dangerous matches. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh my god, is he going where I think he's going to be? And when he said that line of, we're two days, a few days removed from Valentine's Day, and he pulls the fucking dog collar out and asks him, will you be my Valentine? That was fucking fantastic. Was, I loved this promo. It was so good. Again, I'm not settled into being a fan of Punk again, but that fucking promo, will I'll give him his fucking praise. Was, that was fucking it was, fantastic. It was so well The per- double put play together. on words of Valentine being that we're a few days removed from Valentine's Day, but he's wanting a dog collar match with... MJF telling him, will you be my Valentine? Like, will you be my Greg Valentine? To my Roddy Roddy Piper. Yes, it was so fucking good. And just the fact when MJF comes out and just Punk cuts him off, he even showed the picture. I was like... I love the line where he said, you probably remember every moment in this photo. To you, it was the greatest day of your life. And to me, it was Friday. It was Friday. This shit was so good because it left MJF speechless. He didn't even fucking get to say a word. He just came out, had the mic up to his mouth, got ready to speak, and dropped the fucking mic and walked away. And I'm just like... That was probably the first and probably only time I'll ever see MJF not be able to talk. He literally just go, he literally leaves just MJF dumbfounded. And then if we want to just jump to it, we saw the announcement that we are getting the dog collar match at Revolution. Yep. I can't wait for this shit. I'm looking forward to this. Because, again, they haven't had a fucking dog collar match. This is now the second dog collar match in AEW history. After Cody and Brody Lee. That was fucking great. Again, a fantastic match that, again, I, I will always say had just one of the dumbest finishes. The fact that Cody had to win. Because all it felt like was as many times you hear the whole, oh, well, Brody Lee's the greatest TNT champion. Well, you're just saying that at this point. Because literally he held the title for Cody to go do fucking filming for Go Big Show. And as soon as he came back, it's give me my title back. And that was all it is. Like, I miss Brody Lee. I wish he was still here so much because I love Brody Lee. He was fucking great. And I would have loved to see what he could have done more. And I'm glad that he was in that fucking dog collar match because that was great. Mm -hmm. And this one's going to be just as great, if not maybe even better. So our first match of the night was Brian Danielson and Lee Moriarty. We also had the, the Jungle Boy... The Jurassic Express stuff, where Christian talked about that we're going to have two different 
tag team battle royals. Yeah, I was confused at first because they announced it and they said that they were going to have a... The way I interpreted at first, I thought they said that they were going to have a battle royal and the two uh, finale... Like, the two teams in the end will be in the triple threat match at Revolution for the tag team titles. And then at Revolution... Also, they'll have a casino battle royale to determine the number one contenders to whoever wins the triple threat. I was so confused as to why they had to go like that. No. But then I, I figured that they, they described, they put more details into it. And that Later they on in the show they did. Next week, they're going to have a regular battle royal, tag team battle royal. Winner is part of the triple threat. And then... Two weeks, weeks from now, they're having a casino tag team battle royale. Winner is the third team in the tag team triple threat yes, match. Which that made more sense than fucking. It makes what more you sense, saying. but it is also really redundant. It's also fucking going against the rankings because you need a fucking battle royal to determine your number one contenders. And it's also, like I said, it's so redundant. Why do you need two? Different battle royal types to decide two separate challengers yeah. in a triple threat match yeah. against Jurassic Express. Why, Why just... couldn't you just had one battle royal with the and last have two the teams. last two teams be the two teams in the triple threat against Jurassic Express instead of bogging down the battle royals in back-to-back weeks in this it's the same type basically. It's still a battle royal with pretty much basically the same tag teams just one is casino yeah but you, you know why because aw likes to do things convoluted anything that doesn't make sense has to be done and we're that's the see, fucking shit that we're probably about me. to see like the reverse battle royal no we will <laughs> never ever i hope we never see the reverse battle royal ever again that match i will explain that to people who have never seen the reverse battle royal in TNA, it is fucking one of the dumbest. It's awful. And a terrible, <laughs> terrible fucking concept of a match. Impact has had some of the most unique match types that I've ever seen. Yet some of the worst. They have a reverse fucking ladder match with a bunch of other shit that is fucking great. But they had a reverse battle royal where it was like 20 people that have to start on the floor. Half the fucking field has to get in the ring for them to then proceed to turn it back into a regular battle royal till they're down to two people for the final two to have a one-on-one match. If that isn't one of the most ridiculous fucking match types ever... Like, what the fuck? Who looked at that fucking thing and went, yeah, this is going to be fucking great. Everyone's going to love this. You know exactly who did. Vince fucking Russo. So fucking (laughs) stupid. If he had anything to do with that, Vince, slap yourself. You are an idiot. But bro, it's innovative, bro. Nobody, everyone's sick and tired of the old-fashioned battle royal. Fucking... People give Vince Russo so much fucking praise and all this shit 
that he's got such great ideas and all this shit. But to every one good Vince Russo idea, there's there's seven bad Vince yes, Russo ideas. Yes, one good one doesn't fucking equal seven bad. That's not how math works. <laughs> Ask Graham. Like, what you the fuck? You can't have a match type, like... King of the Mountain, and then have a reverse battle royal, a fish market brawl, a fucking insert item on a pole match, a fucking Judy Bagwell on a pole, oh my fucking God. four corner box surprise match. <laughs> fucking, it doesn't equal good if you have one good and seven bad. That like, weird fucking match with the casket that fucking Abyss and Sting had. Oh, the last rights match. It's literally a casket match, but with the casket in the middle of the ring, and then you gotta close the lid. So it's literally a casket match. I don't know why it's called a last rights match. It's not like it has any different fucking stipulations to it. If you think about it, a lot of TNA's fucking match types are literally just old school match types. With a different name. With a different twist. Like, if we're thinking, like... They literally have a scaffolding-style match in fucking Elevation X. Yeah. Which is still fucking cool. You have a match type that no fucking company will ever do in Ultimate X. It's fucking incredible. Like, anybody who's never watched Ultimate X, just pull one up and watch it. Just pull up a random one. Just any of them. It's such a fucking unique... An amazing match type. I don't know why the concept of four fucking pillars with ropes crossed to the middle as an X with something hanging there. And you have to climb and like fucking across the ropes to get that thing off of there. Why that's such a cool stipulation. But it fucking looks awesome. It just has, it's a car crash when it wants to be. And it's such a good car crash. And then also, like, the point I was making is that the stipulations, they're like normal stipulations with a different name. As yeah. as much as anybody loves a good old-fashioned fucking Abyss Monsters ball match, it's just an Extreme Rules match. Yeah. It just has a fucking cooler name. That's all it is. But then you have your matches cheesy. like... It doesn't sound cheesy and PG when you call it Extreme Rules. It sounds terrifying. It's a Monsters ball match. Then you have your fucking weird-ass matches in Impact, like the fucking... Or TNA, I should say, because Impact hasn't done these in fucking Not years. Not yet. Give There's time. that fucking big old fucking red cage with the hole in the middle. Yeah, the, yeah, the where Asylum. They, where they have to fucking climb up yeah, and out. the Asylum. It's fucking cool match. It, it has a very weird... It just doesn't get, like... It doesn't get performed well. It looks like there's it would like be good. fifteen people in the cage. <laughs> yeah, but it's it doesn't get like it's really hard to see also what's going and on. And not to mention the top of the cage, the way it's like formated, it's hard to like go from this position to crawl up and out. Well it's like the elimination chamber roof, pretty much. It's got that slant in there. So you have to like crawl at an angle, you have to climb at an angle and then climb out of the hole, which is fucking bizarre. I remember seeing one that uh, Black Machismo, he won, mm -hmm. and he was having the the hardest time climbing out of the fucking hole. It's just, again, I still think their best match, that's literally an old school match, but with a different stipulation, is King of the Mountain. Mm -hmm. It's just fucking cool. The whole... I know some people think King of the Mountain is a stupid fucking 
It's what? a fucking cool stipulation. You have to fucking, first off, nobody's nobody can climb the ladder. You have to get a pinfall or submission to be eligible to climb the ladder. But everybody else can still stop you from climbing the ladder. They just can't climb because they can't, they're not eligible to climb. But other than that, the person that got pinned or submitted has to sit in a penalty box for two minutes. It's fucking cool. Eventually, everybody's eligible. And then it's just a reverse ladder match where you have to take the title from the ref and hang it. And you win the match. It's such a fucking weird match type. But it's really fucking cool. But we're now we're getting off track again here. But fuck <laughs> it. Let's just fucking go on a tirade and let's go on some fucking talking about other stuff while we're at it. Fuck it. I you love know it. why. We're, t- we're talking about Christian. Yeah. That's why we thought of TNA. <laughs> of course. But, again... We're deciding our number one contenders again. When you oh, wait, have no, fucking... that wasn't the reason. We were talking about fucking convoluted battle royals. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're getting two battle royals. We're determining two number one contenders, which is fucking going against the rankings, which is fucking stupid, but okay. Does AEW even have enough teams for four suits? Isn't it four teams per suit? It'd be five teams per suit. Do they have... That's... That's 20 teams. Do they have 20 and teams? And a Joker team, probably. Do, do they have 21 teams? Nope, but you can call whoever at that point. <laughs> Are we about to see fucking Serpentico and Luther? No, this is probably where we're going to... Yeah, you might. As much as they fucking are dog shit, you're going to probably see them. <laughs> there's there's going to be so many repeat teams. There's going to be... Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, we're going to see two battle royals with multiple of the same people. We're about to see fucking FTR and... Like, fucking... Santana and Ortiz. Santana and Ortiz lose, and then they're gonna get fucking... They're gonna be coming out in the next battle or Oh, we got another chance! <laughs> anyway. Our first match of the night was Brian Danielson and Lee Moriarty. Oh, this is gonna be a doozy of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> We're just now getting to the first match. Right? This was great, though. This was really fucking good. It was. It was what a- in the fuck was that move? Oh, <laughs> There what, was this, what, what? I don't even know what I was looking to at. To those that didn't see it, there was this weird fucking moment where they were both on their stomach and their legs were tied around each other. And then they both proceeded to put themselves in a handstand upside down, looking at each other and throwing shots. And it was so fucking bizarre as to what the fuck that was. But yet so fucking cool. It looked so fucking ridiculous, but it looked so fucking awesome at the same time. The fact that they were able to stay in a handstand, in in a handstand fucking motion, upside down, and just throwing shots at each other while they were, their legs were tied together. So it was fucking weird. Mm -hmm. But this was such a fucking great match because this was technical... It was strike heavy. There wasn't like high flying up the ass. It was just all stiff strikes, a lot of freaking ground base and mat wrestling, and it was fucking just awesome. Lee Moriarty is fucking great, and I'm still mad that he doesn't get fucking anything. He just is on dark, and that's it. Fucking stupid. Fucking stupid. It's another pure fucking example of. We brought a really fucking awesome indie star in here, but guess what? We signed him, but we don't do anything with him. We just have him go on dark and occasionally get a win here, take about four losses here, get about two wins here, 
take another three losses here? Like, he's so fucking good. And against Brian, of all people, who's uh, probably one of the fucking best wrestlers in the world, no matter what anybody says. Yep. This was just fucking great. And then Brian ends up knocking him out pretty much, but decides to rub it in after he hit the knee. He pretty much knocked him out, but instead of beating him by pinfall, he locked him in a triangle. Lee Moriarty passed out, and Brian got the win. Brian then picks up the mic, and of course, I love how he does the whole, like, what did he say about Lee Moriarty? What did he say about the crowd where he was like, you enjoyed that, right? He was saying, he was like, do you think that Lee Moriarty gave a good performance tonight? And the crowd's like, yeah! And then Brian was like, that's why I don't believe in American fucking... <laughs> Yeah, like, in uh, people at all. And I'm like, oh my god, you're such a dick. It was like American, uh, like, social something or other. That it, was, it was so good. It was just, it was, Brian as a heel is very enjoyable. I don't, it, it was originally enjoyable with the whole eco-friendly WWE championship. It had its moments of being enjoyable when he was there. Mm-hmm. But this is pretty fucking interesting. I still love this Brian. I love heel American Dragon. Brian Danielson, like, but he, he wanted the answer from Moxley and Moxley comes out and that's what he said. He doesn't trust the American public. Yeah. Just with anything. Yeah. But he calls Moxley out. Moxley comes out and he pretty much just wants his answer. And again, Mox's promo was really fucking good. That resulted in the, the whole, what did he say about it? He said he doesn't fight alongside someone until he bleeds with him first. Which he's talking about Eddie Kingston. Because that's somebody that he doesn't fuck. Because that's somebody that he wasn't fucking aligned with. But as soon as he fucking got in a brawl with him and they both fucking bled and all that shit like that, he was just... It's my brother. We go to... Fuck, we go to war with each other. Like... Which raises the question. If we're taking that sentence, when... When did Mox... Bleed with Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. (laughs) (laughs) I need to know backstory. Right? I'm amazed that... I wonder if that actually had something to do with them two. At some way. Like, I wonder if it had some way that they were going to say that. Like, I wonder if those two had something to do with it. But I thought it was really fucking good and I liked the way it ended with that. I thought it was really enjoyable. But next was the... Face of the Revolution ladder match qualifier with Wardlow and Max Caster. Now, just by this matchup, you can tell who was going to win. The first two qualifying matches have been very obvious. Yes, but and still. I hope that doesn't continue. Well, well, to be fair, the next one that was announced isn't particularly obvious, but to me, it's, it's most likely obvious. I have to say, Max Caster's rap was so poor. It was kind of weak. You could have done so much better than to go, haha, you're MJF's bitch boy. Yeah, that <laughs> was just... It, it just... It was very weak for him. And I when I showed you the one with Brian Cage at Warrior Wrestling, uh-huh. I was says they get more freaking TV time than Brian Cage, and that, they're, that he's going to expire just like his contract. Like, again, so much better. This... Eh. Yeah, it was like it was... a regular fucking diss rap, and that was it. 
it was just like, ooh, that was, there's probably the weakest one that I've heard him do. Like, he's yeah. done so many better ones. Like, he did with, he did the one with Christian, which was funny, where he said that Christian didn't have his edge. Yeah, that was, that was still better than yeah. this. This was just calling fucking Wardlow MJF's bitch boy. Ooh. And by the time we were saying this, Wardlow has already hit the Powerbomb Symphony yeah, and won. and won. And then Anthony Bowens got involved and literally got murdered. Yep. For Sean Spears to come out, to slide right in the ring, because he wasn't in there, because they were actually getting the upper hand on Wardlow for a few minutes before Wardlow just murders Anthony Bowens with that Powerbomb. And then Sean Spears finally rolls in the fucking ring to hit them both with the chair and seems to have, like, a fucking goddamn ejaculation moment where he's just standing in the ring like, oh, I hit him with the chair. That's the spot. Oh, like, yeah. I was like, for that. Like, yeah, like, fucking pent-up fucking sexual frustration over here with his fucking chair. Like, like he fucking ridiculous. Pops a stiffy or fucking pitches a tent whenever he hits someone with a chair. I don't, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that's, that's a fucking terrible image. I mean, he's got a fucking hot wife, so... And she's really good. And she's doing great right now. She's gotten... Uh, I can say this. As somebody who wasn't an iconic fan, seeing them in Impact, they've gotten better. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but you're telling me that... This, you're telling me Sean Spears gets hard over hitting someone with a chair? Uh, maybe. I bet you Cassie likes that shit. She, she likes getting hit with a chair? She might. <laughs> she might. <laughs> She's into that fucking really weird kinky shit, probably. Jesus Christ. Like, again, somebody who is not an iconic fan has become a fan of the inspiration because they've both gotten better. And yes, even Jess, even Jessica McKay, she's gotten better. But next was the fucking DM, Team DMD interview. Sorry, <sighs> we don't have to talk about this. I, <laughs> this was so dumb. This was dumb. I hated this. I can't stand listening to Britt Baker talk. I'm tired of seeing Tony Schiavone stand next to fucking Britt Baker. Ugh. And it mean absolutely fucking nothing. He always looks like a fucking geek. Because every time she does DMD, he's gotta do it too, just on the side and you don't fuck it. It's like, you didn't see him do that. Bullshit, I didn't see him do that. He's such we a get fan it. boy. We get it. You're thirsting for Britt. Newsflash, Tony. You ain't getting it. With this I fucking, just, I want Adam Cole to kick him with the fucking head so too. bad. I just want Britt Baker. I just want Britt Baker to fuck off television because I can't stand her. She's fucking awful. But pretty much, she told Mercedes Martinez to to get the to finish the job pretty much and take out Thunder Rosa, and then the fucking guy from Cobra Kai showed up, which. Oh boy, we got a Cobra Kai reference here, and I'm just like, I don't fucking care. This was, it was fucking, so random. It was such a waste. Like it was a complete fucking just a waste because we had the no DQ and all that shit coming up later on in the night. Which can't wait till we get there. We go to a commercial. Tony Schiavone's in the ring. Has Hangman Page come out? Adam Page gets interrupted by Adam Cole. It's the Battle of the Adams. Again, this was... Hangman Page's promo was weird to me. He still has that generic, like, baby face promo, like, when he talks. He's still got that whole, 
oh, you're going to keep talking trash? Just wait till I punch you in the mouth. Stuff like that. And I'm like, <laughs> sounds so generic. Like, I, I mean, love... To be, to be fair with you, this the, the whole promo off in general was just, it was sort of just basic. It was. Even for Adam Cole. Like, the fact that Adam Cole was like, you're not even the best Adam. Like, yeah. oh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Get like, it? Because their both name is Adam. Yeah, because he talked about how the freaking, I think it was the Bucks that said that they're not, that they're not the, that he's not the best Adam and shit like that. And then talked about, like, how the Bucks, how he used to be friends with the Bucks, but they haven't fucking mentioned him in months. And he hasn't fucking interacted with the Dark Order in months. It was just... Convenient timing. Right? Because Cole just... Hangman got ready to fight. Adam Cole just was like, don't worry, we're not going to do this. And then he walked away. Out came the Bucks to jump him. Cole no, was... No, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the Bucks. It was O'Reilly and Fish. Oh, it was O'Reilly and Fish to jump Hangman. You're right. To jump Hangman. Cole looks back at the two of them jumping in there. He comes sprinting down the ring and then joins in with them. And I'm like, that's fucking funny. Of course he would. And then all of a sudden, out came the Dark Order. I'm like, wow. Just haven't had those fucking guys talk to Hangman in fucking months. But you know what? Anyone brings them up. Here they come. <laughs> like, it was fucking weird. Like, and then Ten was throwing around the fucking security. We had the terrible camera angle because the camera guy's too fucking slow. Where Ten grabbed the guy and hucked him over the top rope into the rest of security. But they didn't catch him until they were already all falling <laughs> like and then of course we get our rampage match that everyone wanted to see of adam yeah. cole versus 10 yeah <laughs> boy oh boy adam cole's about to run through the dark order like uh, fucking brian did we can we brian not? didn't get all the way through the dark order yeah he didn't face colt cabana he at all no he fought, he fought colt. colt you're right he didn't fight Stu. and he didn't fight alex reynolds yeah he didn't need to and I don't think he fought 10. Actually, again, I don't know. I don't remember. Even if it he did. It was pointless. Yeah, there was no point. It's not like any of the Dark Order members were going to beat Brian. Like, come on. Next was Jericho and Hager and Proud and Powerful. This was okay, I guess. Eddie, Eddie Kingston finally it's back yeah. involved in this. He wasn't limping, so that's a good thing. His knee is a little bit better than it was. Eddie Kingston did get involved in this match. Mm-hmm. I love how Tony Schiavone goes, what is Eddie Kingston doing out here? And Eddie Kingston just pretty much gives Santana and Ortiz like the LAX sign and like a fist pound at the same time. And he's like, oh, that's what he's doing. And I'm just like, of course it's what he's doing. What the fuck else is he going to do? He's nah, not coming he... out here to fucking intervene in this match like something's going to happen. Nah, Tony, he was out here to sell fucking Girl Scout cookies. Right? You fucking idiot. <laughs> you think you how long you've been doing this, you'd fucking know why this guy's out here. It was just... They brought him up enough fucking times. Ugh. But this, again, it wasn't... I don't really think I'm. I don't think I'll ever rewatch this. This was just kind of dumb. I mean, the match was all right for what it was. Yeah, it wasn't. Again, it's not like it got to the point. Yeah, that was trying to be made. Prime power for one. I wonder if because there was the time it was when Santana got the win with the discus lariat. It was weird because I was like, did 
Ortiz use Nux? Like, did he hit him with something illegal? Because that fucking pin on the discus lariat didn't feel like that was how it was supposed to end. Because he got the two count, and then the ref kind of, like, hesitated, and then counted three. And I was like, was that not supposed to be the finish? Like, did you guys just say, fuck this match, let's just get it over with? <laughs> like, because if it was, I was fine with it. Proud and powerful got the win, that's all I gave a shit. And then, then they pinned Jericho. Yeah. And of course, Jericho had to fucking go after Eddie Kingston, fucking yelling at him the entire time, and they were throwing the worst fucking punches I've ever seen in my life. They were like, I can't reach him. Like, arm was above their head, and they looked like a bunch of weirdos trying to scrap, and it was fucking... It was okay. Like, again, match was okay. It wasn't really anything to fucking mark out about. So... We had Adam Cole, Red Dragon, and the Bucks backstage. Red Dragon asked where the Bucks were because they didn't come out and help at all. They talked about Jay White and everything. And it was just, again, it's where, it's at this point, because at the end of it, Red Dragon went one way because I guess these two teams are going to be in both, I'm guessing, one and or both Battle Royals. And they both throw walked. each other out, probably. The only interesting thing was... They both walked separate directions, and Adam Cole got ready to walk away with them, and he just kind of stopped and looked both directions, and Brandon Cutler does the whole, which way are you going to go, Adam? And he's just like, Brandon, shut up and turn the camera off. And I'm shut just up, like, Cutler. I was just like, I'm like, I like the little tease there, but that's really all this is. It's just a little tease. It's more little, just, just putting the fucking seasoning on the stuff, and that's it. Like, we'll get there eventually. Eventually. Yeah, right. Will we act will it be that kind of situation? But next was Do we have to talk about this match. Yes. We have to talk about this match. Because next was Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa in the no disqualification match. This match was rough. This match was awful. I am sorry. I love Thunder Rosa and I love Mercedes Martinez. But these two had an awful no DQ match. From the jump, first off, I love Thunder Rosa's gear. The Kill Bill slash Bruce Lee yellow like jumpsuit thing. I thought was fucking cool. And she came out with a chair, Mercedes came out with the pipe. Immediately the match starts, and Thunder Rosa swings this chair and hits her with like the weakest swing. Ever. It was so fucking bizarre. It was so bad. Because all it was was... And that was it. And I was like, oh, come on, Thunder. The fuck was that? We had the weird Irish whip spot into the barricade that should not have broken that barricade at all. It had, like, zero impact or fucking velocity yeah, whatsoever but, but it, it broke that barricade just went oh pfft. oh look at that like it was that was ass what else was there the table bump yeah the table bump thunder rosa pulled the table out and put it against the ring apron well first of all first off, she was trying to set it up yeah during picture in picture she was trying to set up a table originally she had the legs open she had it ready to go and as soon as she fucking picks it up and got ready to fucking set it up, 
She just throws it to the side for some fucking reason. And then decides to fucking, like, make an incline with the table against the fucking apron. Yeah, no, she that was a second table she brought out. She oh, threw the first it? one. She literally set the first one up, put it down, and had it set up. But then proceeded to throw it to the side like something was up with it. To pull another one out and just drape it across the ring apron. I'm like, okay. Well, I didn't get what the point of that was. But we'll see where we're going from here. They're both on the ring apron. We got the fisherman buster off the ring apron onto the table. That was literally a children's playground slide that only broke at the end. It was like a little it was like a little tyke's fucking playset. They literally just slid. They hit the table and just slid. And the the bottom part was just like, "Oh, we got to be a table." It was just this was really bad. The and then Thunder Rosa had to sell it so like she was just fucking destroyed through a table. She was like, "Ah!" Thunder when hit her reality, when in reality she fucking just Wee, and then down it broke. the fucking yeah. The Frankens there was a Frankenstein off the top where Thunder didn't get barely in enough into position to like actually bring her over. Not to mention it was supposed to be onto the fucking trash can, but they were yeah. just nowhere near it. There was that. There was the crazy spider German, which was probably the coolest fucking thing out of this match. Because <laughs> and then immediately afterwards Mercedes botches a fucking elbow drop. Yeah, she like fell off the top rope. She, like, slipped off the top rope and just kind of, like, turned it into an elbow drop. And I was like, this is really getting bad. Like, they need to end this. She hit a crucifix driver. She got her with the fire thunder driver on a stack of chairs. And the match was over. And then I'm like, thank God that's over. Because that was really rough. Like, that was fucking hard to watch. Like, it was not... When... You can't even make a no-DQ match look good. That's a problem. It's not that hard to make a no-DQ match look fucking good. Yeah, and both of these women are great. Yes. It was just something about this, this match. This was just, just off. It just did not click. No. But then out came Britt because Thunder picked up Mercedes and was showing her respect and everything, and then out came Brit, and out came Rebel, and out came Jamie Hayter, and they they blast Thunder Rosa. She goes out to the floor. They start jumping Mercedes Martinez, where it's literally Rebel fucking throwing nothing. She is kicking the air. One of the kicks, she literally kicks the bottom rope. Yes, she is fucking awful. Fucking awful. So now you have two women in that fucking little group there that are fucking awful. And all it was was for Britt to come out. She gave Mercedes the pipe because they had Thunder Rosa laid out. They gave her the pipe. Jamie Hayter blasts Mercedes Martinez and just, they beat up on Mercedes. Britt takes the title off after... Jamie Hayter was beating up on Mercedes, and she got a couple shots in on Thunder. She took the title off and did her fucking everyone's favorite catchphrase because it's fucking piece of cake. And that was the gist of it. And I was just like, this fucking sucked. This sucks. Yeah. Like, this wasn't fucking worth anything. Like, we got the House of Black video, which apparently, as you said, was the 
kind of a tease of Buddy Matthews. Yeah, because you could see him. Walk. I couldn't tell because I missed it. It was. If you watch it again, it was very obviously Buddy Matthews. Oh, well. he, he has a distinct look. Again, love Buddy Matthews. There's not many people would have fuck that have a ginger beard and ginger curly hair. I love Buddy Matthews, so I'm. Uh, I'm can't wait to see him here. And to be fair, they but fucking black even before he came to AEW, he was teasing doing stuff with fucking Buddy. Mm-hmm. We got the we got the promo from Switchblade was next talking about the Rampage match and how's, how he's responsible for Kenny leaving New Japan. He should be if uh, Kenny never left New Japan, there would potentially never be an AEW. So AEW should be thanking him. Yeah. So again, was really fucking good. It's Jay White. I like Jay White. Again, there's little fucking things that get on my nerves with Jay White. But, guy's fucking outstanding as a fucking wrestler, so, again, should be an easy win for him against fucking Trent, because why would Jay White lose? And then we had the main event. The TNT title. Sammy and Darby. This was fucking awesome. Yeah. The match was incredible. Can we talk about Sammy's fucking insane Darby Allen-esque Miss Bump with the swanton on the ring apron. Oh, God. That looked fucking painful. That was so brutal. He, He literally looked like his soul left his body on that. Like, it looked fucking awful to have that happen. But this was really fucking good. Darby... Wasn't really flipping around the ring like crazy at first. He was actually like like mat wrestling. He was working Sammy's leg the entire time. So Sammy couldn't hold him up for the GTH. He couldn't move around the ring that fast because his leg was hurting him. And then Darby finally started turning it up at the end of the match, which was fucking really good. And then the they fucking... suicide dive fucking cutter yeah. spot. Yeah. The... The low, the low suicida through the bottom rope where Sammy caught him with the cutter. That was fucking amazing timing. And then we got the fucking moment that kind of put a damper on this match. Because out comes fucking Jose, Andrade's assistant there, who tries to distract him. Sting takes him out. Andrade sneaks through the crowd while the ref's trying to break apart fucking Sting and Jose because... Of course, he'd be trying to fucking pay attention to the guys that aren't involved in the match. Out comes Andrade. Wax Darby in the head with the fucking tablet. Sammy just kind of hobbles over, looks at him and goes, Alright, I'll do it. And then just fucking picks him up on his shoulders, gives him the GTH. Retains the TNT title. And then they take out Sammy Guevara as well. And Andrade stands tall with Matt both. Hardy came yeah. out as well. Random ass <laughs> Matt Hardy appearance. Just literally runs out past Andrade for him to just start beating on Darby for some fucking reason. It looked so dumb. Matt Hardy running. I don't know why, but it was so funny to watch. He looks like he's it, constipated. It, it looks like it looked like a grandma who fucking 
spotted like the last fucking spool of yarn across the fucking the last, Walmart aisle. The and last can of like, prunes. Trying to fucking scoot <laughs> over there. It's the last can of prunes, and she's got to get there before she they go. Scoot over there before somebody fucking. Oh grabs my god. It. Matt Hardy just running out there was fucking stupid. Andrade holding the titles. I'm like, wow, Andrade thinks he feels important, but he's not important because he just pretty much left the ring with his fuck with the titles. And then he just he just steals them. Yeah. He just steals the titles. Show goes off the air with Andrade holding both titles. Again, fucking fantastic match that got fucking a giant smudge on it because Andrade couldn't fucking keep his goddamn nose at anything. Like Andrade, you you do know. Just because you grab the titles and leave the ring with them, that doesn't make you the champion. Right? You didn't win yet. Like, it was just... Well, Again, I'm assuming we're either going to get Sammy and Andrade, or we're going to get a triple threat. Someone talked Sammy about... Darby someone said triple threat, which, again, I wouldn't be against. If we are getting a singles match... Oh, I have a bad feeling that Sammy's losing the titles. I do. I think Sammy's losing the titles either way. I do too, and that sucks. But which it, it shouldn't be titles. Yeah, I don't know why there's still two titles. It doesn't make sense why there's still two. The literal point was to decide a TNT champion, not go undisputed two titles. Like, no, come on. We're gonna jump to NXT 2.0 and Vengeance Day. This. Show was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. There was literally not a bad match at the end of this show, not a bad match on this card, and literally their worst match wasn't even that bad. Yeah, their their worst match was still decent. Yeah. Because the show kicks off with the weaponized steel cage. Pete Dunne and Tony D'Angelo. I love this. This was a fucking great way to start the show. Because this the last time we had the weaponized steel cage, minus the Ambrose Asylum, was the Gargano one, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And it was a it's a fucking really good match. It's not terrible. Like the weaponized one with Johnny is really good. And now this one, you had Pete Dunne and Tony D'Angelo who have just been at each other's throats. Tony's introduced the crowbar. Pete Dunne's introduced the cricket bat. And now they're trying to fucking just beat the shit out of each other. So why not just throw them in a ring with weapons and tell them to beat the hell out of each other while locking them in a cage? It's two for one. Why the hell not? The one thing I did notice... Was they changed the the direction of the cage. The door was on the side where the commentary table is. Mm-hmm. It wasn't at the entrance ramp, which I thought was pretty interesting. I was like, wow, so all they did was really rotate the cage and there you go. But again, this was great with freaking Pete Dunne bending Tony's fingers back with the socket wrench. Yeah. That was oh. fucking awful. That had to suck. Pete Dunne's joint manipulation and fucking just every way that he works fingers and bends limbs back and everything else. He's an evil, evil mind. He fucking just... We had the crazy superplex, which 
fucking awesome. Let's just get near the end here. We had a bitter end at one point, which mm-hmm. Tony D'Angelo kicked out of. We had the the original, not Tony's original finisher there, which yeah, is weird. Yeah, did like a lifting version of it. Yeah, but got a two count. Tony finally introduced the crowbar. Pete tried introduced the cricket bat at the time. They pretty much knocked the cricket. He pretty much knocked the crowbar out of Tony's hand. Gave him the cricket bat off the back, which fucking broke. Made such a loud. Like, it literally sounded like a gunshot. It sounded like a gunshot. It was fucking loud. But in the end, Tony finally got the advantage. He grabbed the crowbar. And then Pete Dunn reaches between the the side of the cage and pulls out his own crowbar. As Tony's coming in to hit him with the crowbar, Pete Dunn pretty much jigs fucking Tony D'Angelo in the gut with the with his crowbar and gave him a bitter end on the shattered broken table that they had broke earlier. And got the win. And this match was fucking great. Mm-hmm. A weaponized steel cage. It just fucking works. There's something about taking a cage match that's supposed to be chaotic and a hardcore match that you know is chaotic and merging the two of them together and going, just kill each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, that works. <laughs> like, So, Pete's... Celebrate pretty much stands victorious in the ring. We go to the video of Raquel and Cora, which waking her up at five in the morning. Yeah, it's just them trying to prep for the the Dusty Classic again, getting them more associated together as a team. Okay, wasn't terrible. So they uh, they talked about the women's Dusty Cup also. Malcolm Bivens was cutting a promo. Talking about the diamond mine and everything like that. Like, it was just... The next match was the women's tag titles. Again, and this was the one that I thought wasn't the strongest match. But again, wasn't the worst. As somebody who's not really into Toxic Attraction, because I've ranted about it enough, and I'm not going to do it today, because... There's no fucking point in doing it. This was really good. This was pretty good for what it was. Just, again, toxic attraction. The crowd fucking is ridiculous. They literally just chant, we want Gigi all match. Like, everybody (laughs) else in this fucking match isn't here. It's just, we want Gigi and nothing else. Like... I hate. Well, there's always that one popular one in the in a fucking stable. But still, we know why she's popular. Come on. Well, she's popular because she's the only, like... Oh, may I say, because I didn't talk about it, the intro of this show fucking sucked. <laughs> the intro to this show fucking sucked. Was... Because what is the fucking one thing that I have ranted about Pretty much every episode. Mandy in a bikini. And that's the first thing we see! In the fucking beginning of the show! It was so cringy. (laughs) This whole fucking intro sequence 
It was, was dog shit. It was literally like a three-way high school text message thing. Yeah. With like Mandy being like, look at all these stereotypical hot guys like Carmelo. And JC was like, yeah, look at like Duke Hudson yeah, or like, whatever. And then Gigi being the like sort of outlier and like audacious one. She's like, yeah, but look at fucking... I don't even remember who, Tony D'Angelo or something, or fucking, I don't remember who exactly it was that she was, like, Cameron Grimes, I think it was. She's like, ooh, look, Cameron Grimes, oh, it was just. But I feel like the crowd, I feel like the crowd gets more excited for Gigi, because Gigi, aka Priscilla Kelly, Mm -hmm. is more, like, I guess, sort of well-known I don't think it has anything to do with their ass. I mean, if you saw, if you saw her in the, in the Mae Young Classic, you know who she is. If you've seen her outside of the company before she got in here, you know who she is. Yeah, she's more, she's more of a well-known name because people know her from the indies. But sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's probably not all the greatest things to be known from. But yeah, people but we still know. know her. But again. There's another reason why that a lot of people like her more than everybody else in this match. I don't think it's because of her ass. I think it is. Because how many fucking times do we see people on fucking social media talking about that only? I mean, that's what their whole Twitter is basically about. Right there, motherfuckers. Just Which is, that, that's just weird. Yes, because that's fucking creepy. Yeah. But this had the... This was, again... Pretty good for what it was. Toxic Attraction retains with the the high-low, with the, the sweep, and the discus bicycle kick. They still need to uh, flesh out that tag team finisher a little bit more, because it's, it's still a little bit uh, on the sloppier side. Yeah, it's it still needs its work, but, you know, again, I'm not still crazy about Toxic Attraction, but I'm hoping that they'll eventually, you know... Again, it's not, it's, I don't even know if I really am going to get into them. Again, it's still the whole fucking thing that I've been saying for me, and it's still not drawing me into them yet. I like Persia, and I like Indy. It's just this whole them kind of having at odds ends right now with the whole, is Indy too focused on Dexter to be focusing on anything else? You know, like, it's bizarre. It is fucking weird that they're doing that. Yeah. But this was again not the strongest match on the card, but it it was it was good for what it was. We had Amari Miller and Wendy Chu where Wendy ended up trying to ask her if she was going to be her tag partner, which again, I thought was going to these two were going to be the team. Mm-hmm. Was Amari and Wendy. But Amari said that she's already made dedicated plans with somebody else so who's that gonna be is the question i'm assuming it might be tiffany that'd be bizarre because but the the only other person that i could really think of outside of just trying to come up with a name at this point because we saw wendy go over to dakota which i'm guessing that again i'm really fucking sold that Dakota's new gimmick is literally Jinx. 
and I showed you what who like what Jinx is like from that show, and she's literally yeah. that. She literally talks to voices. She's happy one minute. She's evil the next. She's telling evil stuff to people. She's telling nice things to people. Like she's just it's definitely her. That's her, and that's it. And her and Wendy is a bizarre combo because you got the sleepy kind of like she's kind of lazy, but then she turns it up kind of girl. And then you just got the really like bizarre, weird girl together. I don't really know how well that's going to work together, but I'm interested to see like what they're going to do with it. Like, yeah, but so we had Grayson Waller and Sanga in the parking lot. They all, we all of a sudden just see cop cars up the fucking wazoo. So, maybe we are about to get L.A. Knight getting arrested. So, we go to a commercial, we come back, and then we have Briggs and Jensen at a bar. Talking about how, about what happened last week. And then, Josh Briggs asking him about, like, the date they did go on. And... Just how pretty much by what he said that he got friend zoned in a nutshell Basically. because he even asked the Briggs even asked the bartender like everything about what happened and she's just so hesitant to say that he got friend zoned and then you just you see the just disappointment in him just throw his head on the bar and he's just so disappointed like it's. All those sweaty pockets, just to get fucking, <laughs> fucking friends. Again, this is a weird. This is a bizarre. This is a supposed to be funny, but kind of not funny segment. Again, but again, we'll see where it goes from here. Like, are they going to end up being a couple? Like, both of them going to be a couple on TV? Are they going to end up where? Casey and Caden don't fucking get, like, the moves made on them by the two of them, and they end up with somebody else kind of fucking thing. Like, it's it's interesting. But we come back to the ring. L.A. Knight comes out. Crowd is fucking loving L.A. Knight now. Originally, they remember, they didn't really seem to like L.A. Knight. Yeah. I don't know what it was. They would not fucking click with him at all. But now that he's out there every week, they're just, yeah, every fucking week. And it's just fucking, let me talk to you. And I'm just loving L.A. Knight. And Grayson Waller comes out with cops. They get in there and he shows, Grayson Waller shows the footage of him putting his hands on him and everything. And then L.A. Knight pretty much takes the, the restraining order and shows footage of that Grayson Waller put his hands on him. And that they're technically not supposed to put... Neither one of them are supposed to put hands on each other. So, with that footage, now the the thing is null and void. Which is fucking crazy. Because now they're going to have a match. And I can't wait to see the match. Because it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Just LA Knight at the end. With the... the you're going to go down at the hands of LA Knight. Yeah! yeah. That was just that was so fucking good, so fucking good. We had the the Indy Hartwell and Persia stuff at the end, where Indy's feeling like she's the one responsible for them losing, and she's all disappointed. And then Dexter walks in, and she's all happy, 
And you could just see the disappointment and the disgust in Persia as her and Dexter left. And then Duke Hudson walks in and just kind of like gives his hand out. She takes his hand and walks away. And I'm like, oh boy, this is getting something now. Like, again, it's weird to see that because now Duke Hudson's going to be involved with Dexter Loomis. But isn't he still dealing with Dante Chen? Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I don't... I don't know. Dante Chen has now been start-stopped twice. Like, I think he's fucked at this point. I think he's fucked. But we go to a commercial. We had Grimes and Hayes making their way to the ring. We go to the break. We have Champa cutting his promo. Talking about Dolph Ziggler. And then he does his fucking... Toothless Tim thing. Shouts to Timothy Thatcher where he took the chair and just hucked it at the fucking wall. I love it. And then we got the North American title match. Carmelo Hayes and Cameron Grimes. Would I be wrong by saying that this might have been the match of the night? Uh-huh. You're completely right. Yeah, this match was literally what I wanted it to be. Was these two fucking fantastic athletes just going in the ring... And putting on a fucking clinic. My only fucking issue is Trick Williams. The fact that this match was that fucking good. That he had to keep sticking his nose in there. I'm sorry. I can't stand Trick Williams. I do not understand how Carmelo Hayes needs Trick Williams. At all. There is nothing that's look, that when you look at Carmelo Hayes. There is nothing you freaking see that says, yeah, he needs Trip Williams to be his Angelo Dawkins and just be his hype man every fucking time. Yeah. Like, come on. I know you're not crazy for Carmelo's promos. You've said it. They feel like they're freaking scripted and all this stuff like that, and he's just trying too hard to make them seem like they're, like, that there's something tri- big, you Yeah, know? he's trying too hard to fit yeah. in, like, catchphrases yeah. and fucking punchlines. But... Again, they're not awful. And I don't look at those as being that bad that he needs Trick Williams to come out and give him fucking Lil John fucking hype fucking sounds every time. Talk to him, fam. Get him. Like, yeah, you hear that? Like, I'm just like, fuck out of here. Like, I don't fucking care about Trick Williams. Just give me Carmelo Hayes by himself. Like, he doesn't need him. None. But Carmelo got the win with the the reverse hot shot over the top into the leg drop. Again, fucking definite match of the night. This match was fantastic. Minus the fucking trick interference. But, you know, we'll fucking just overlook that because the rest of this match was fucking great. Hayes was standing tall in the ring. We go to a video package of the, the 2022 Dusty Cup the finals, which was up next. We had Kaylee Ray and Io Shirai. They were breaking stuff, getting themselves used to being it. Like, I guess I'm guessing they're going to be the team. They've literally pretty much become the team Mm -hmm. now. And Io's like, I don't need to break that stuff. But then Kaylee Ray convinces her to go out and just break stuff. And she's just like, Zoe Stark walks in and she's just like, you guys are kind of meshing well, pretty well as a team right now. And she's like, I like her. And then they just both walk away. (laughs) 
I'm like, okay, well, okay, that's pretty interesting. Again, I like Kaylee Ray. I like EO. I think the two of them as a team is very, very good. Like, they're going to be the team to beat. The two of them are going to be the team to beat. But then we had the men's final. The Creeds and MSK. Now, this match was, was great. It was great. Is it bad to say that I feel like I put my expectations a little too high, though? I sort of did the same thing. I thought the match itself, it was fine for what it was. I thought it was going to be just a little bit I thought it was better. great, but I figured that they would have turned it up a lot. Yeah. Especially if it's the finals. And yeah. I, I think what kind of, like... I put the match, like, quality expectations so much higher yeah. than it actually proceeded. But I think what really, like, what made me kind of just sort of, like, mute for this finals was the fact that I thought it was just way obvious. I mean, the fact that it was obvious shouldn't have really affected the match itself. Yeah, like, it was obvious from, like... As soon as MSK and the Creeds were the fucking final, it should have been obvious from that point that the Creeds were winning. Yeah. But I I just personally, like you said, I thought that it would have been I, the match would have turned up a little bit more. Yeah, like, I feel like it was I feel like it needed to pick up. It played it played it too safe. Yeah, it was like like I said, it was great. It just to me didn't feel like an MSK Creed Brothers match after what we've seen from the Creeds, and what we've saw from MSK. This just didn't mesh well with it. It just didn't feel like it turned up enough. I, I also think that it could have been like a a consequence of like just time. That they, could be. They only had too much. They had so much time to do so many things, and they had they only had so much time to get this their stuff in with this match, so they just yeah. tried to do, play it safe and play with the basics. I mean, it could be. It just, again, it was, it was, it was really good. It was great. It just, it needed, it just felt like it needed to, like, to flip a switch. Because it didn't feel like it, like, really got out of, like, a certain gear. Like, yeah. it got to, like, a good gear, and it felt like it was gonna start picking up, but every time it just felt like it just stayed in that gear. Like it could have you could have shifted to the next one and kept it going and it would have turned up to a different level, but it just felt like it was like, uh, oh, you reached that gear and that's where we're staying. But Creed's one, it was again very predictable, I felt like. Again, yeah. but Creed's and Imperium tag team title match. It's 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 gonna be great. I can't wait for that match. It's going to be great. We got a new vignette for Nikita Lyons where, again, now she's doing other stuff like she was doing. She's freaking training on the on the bag. She's dancing. She's rapping. She's writing lyrics. And I immediately said, so this... She's, she's a singer, dancer, rapper, martial artist, kickboxer, <laughs> dancer, writer, singer, rapper, wrestler, rapper, singer, wrestler. Yeah. Martial artist, rapper, And I singer. literally compared it, as I showed you, the heiress, insanely long heiress name from Family Guy. It's literally, <laughs> I wanted to tweet that video out so bad with that, of that, and just say, naming off Nikita Lyons, what Nikita Lyons does is like naming off the heiress names. 
Because it's like in family. Every guy. week, every week it's a new vignette, and every week she's doing something different. Right? It's fucking first, weird. First vignette, she's rapping. Next vignette, she's dancing. Next vignette, she's singing. Now this vignette, she's doing fucking kickboxing. Like, <laughs> can can we get like a a general perspective on what the fuck she does? Right? She's can not we? Just... Can we not just keep fucking throwing some some things at the wall and seeing what sticks right? and what falls off? If this is all her. It's too much already. Like, you're just going like, oh, she does music. She writes her own music. She also freaking does dancing. Do you know she also does kickboxing? Do you also know that she's a wrestler? Like, too much stuff already. This Next week is the make it or break it, though. Yeah. If she's she, debuting she has, next week. If she has four vignettes and she comes out and she loses, I'm going to have something fucking to say. Yeah, and I'm not, again, she's getting, again, she's like, she's like Harland for people. Everybody was hype for Harland, and he has, and he had to live up to the expectations that everybody put it up as. If not, they were going to be disappointed, and that's what Nikita Lyons is in position right now. Everybody loves her right now. Everybody's like, she's got a great look. She's got a thick ass. She's got fucking... She does all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool and all. But now the wrestling's got to live up to it. If it doesn't, she's all hype and nothing else. Like, don't let it be that. All I'm asking is for her to impress. I, I'm not even asking her for to, to be good in the ring. Because NXT 2.0 is developmental. Yes. She doesn't even have to be good. Just impress... And win. Right? Something. You can't impress and lose. Yeah. I'm sorry. Because yeah. with four video vignettes... With the way they're making her come off as, she needs to look good and win. Yeah. Like... But then, after that, we had Imperium. I love fucking the... I love freaking... What's the ring announcer? I keep forgetting her name. Aisha Taylor? Yeah, I keep forgetting... Her name slips my mind so much. We had Aisha Taylor talking, doing the announcing for them in the ring. She's like, Marcel Bartel, Fabian Eichner, and Gunther. And then he just grabs the microphone and goes, it's Gunta. And I'm like, is that what he's going to do now? Is to start yelling at people for mispronouncing it? Is he going to be like fucking... He's Fandango. He's Fandango, except more terrifying because who's going to mispronounce his name and then get in his face? It's not Fandango. It's, it's fun. <laughs> Dongo. I love that. I used to love that. I don't know why. It's so <coughs> stupid, but it's so good. But they're out there, and then all of a sudden they get cut off by Solo Sokoa, who pretty much is calling out Gunther. I am not ready. Gunther. Yeah. I'm not ready for a Gunther fucking Gunther. <laughs> God damn it. This is like getting corrected by a voice line in a fucking front face lock video. God damn it. <laughs> but I'm not ready for a Gunta and Solo Sokoa match. No. I am not ready for that. Oh my god. That match is going to be nuts. And also, just, just a quick thing. NXT crowd, you're not quirky. Yeah, you're not funny You're, you're not funny... They're all we, chanting Walter the entire time, and it's not fucking... You're not funny. Yeah. You also made yourself look like idiots when we get to the main event, because you're fucking stupid. 
because that's what's next. We had the, right before the main event though, we had Mackenzie Mitchell doing an interview with Dolph Ziggler, who pretty much has confirmed that next week he's having a match with Tommaso Ciampa. Which he was made official as well. Yes, and I can't wait because Dolph Ziggler, yes. Tommaso Ciampa, yes. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. But then we had the NXT title match as our main event. Santos Escobar against Braun Breaker. I wanted I want to say this match is great. Because it was. It was really good. Like, really, really good. Again, it was another one of those matches that felt like it didn't fucking change into a different gear. For some reason. It didn't pick up for some reason. Again, it had so much hype for it because it's Escobar who's fucking outstanding and Braun Breaker who's already that fucking good as he is. I think a couple of the... I think a couple... There's a couple factors for me that sort of just took me out of the fucking... Not, not took me out of the match, but just like sort of like drew back the quality of the match to yeah. me. First of all, like we just previously brought up, the crowd towards the end of the match was just it was so bizarre. Here's the thing. At the end of the match, nearing the end of the match, Dolph Ziggler ran out and hit the super kick on Braun Breaker. Yeah. Santos went for the cover and got a two count. It then turned into Champa taking out Ziggler again, chasing him out from ringside, and an attempt at a phantom driver, which turned into a fucking atomic fucking spear from Braun Breaker, where he absolutely just murdered him. Absolutely murdered him. And then, as soon as he hit that spear, the crowd went from cheering to just booing the ever-living shit out of Braun Breaker. And they booed pretty much the entire time. Because as soon as he got him in the throat, picked him up in the press, got him in the power slam, got the three count, stands there with the title, the crowd is booing to all hell and back. There was like maybe three people cheering. I fucking hate the NXT crowd. I am sorry. I love NXT 2.0. Again, I prefer black and gold. Over NXT 2.0. But that does not mean I don't like 2.0. But this fucking crowd sucks. Ever since the pandemic fucking kicked in. And the crowd wasn't there. And then they finally came back. When it was black and gold. And then they changed it to 2.0. And it's still the same fucking crowd. This crowd fucking sucks. It's, it's pretty much ever since that fucking... The whole... Izzy's parents thing Those, came about. And as that soon, shit can go fuck themselves. As soon as fucking the whole Izzy parent thing came about and people were finding out that they were fucking telling people to boo MSK, it seems like the stigma around the crowd has just been like, yeah, let's just, let's just boo whoever the fuck we feel like it. They just boo everything. They hate everything it seems like not only do they boo everything but they also cheer like this they cheer like a fucking like the the weirdest things they'll chant like 
like before when they chanted Walter at fucking Gunta. Yeah, they don't. They're 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 trying to be edgy and they're trying to get themselves over they, and they need they to fuck off. They chant fucking Uso at fucking yeah. Solo Sokoa. They need to shut the fuck up. Like they're not fucking smart. They're fucking. They sound like idiots. Yeah. Like when everybody else is watching a match and they're fucking cheering it. This fucking crowd sitting there and they're just like, oh, it's not the NXT that we remember. Boo! Everything like. Stop trying to be fucking corny and stop trying to be fucking assholes. Eat a dick, motherfuckers. And that's the that's the other thing for me that sort of took me out of this match towards the end was just it kind of got bogged down by interferences. Yes. You had you had what uh, Mendoza and Wild get yeah. involved, and then while fucking Breaker was getting those two out of the ring, fucking. Electra Lopez yeah. got involved. And while the ref was distracted from Electra Lopez getting involved, Dolph Ziggler got involved. And then Dolph Ziggler hits him with a super kick, gets mad that he kicks out, and was getting fucking upset for whatever reason, because apparently now all of a sudden he doesn't want to fight Braun Breaker. For apparently now all of a sudden title. he gives a shit that his super kick gets kicked out of. And he gives a shit now that fucking... Braun, he's trying his hardest to get Braun Breaker to lose the NXT title, even though he's said that he would like to go for the NXT title. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so make and then, mind, Dolph. Then after Dolph interferes, we have Ciampa interfering on Dolph's interfer- attempt at another interference. So that's, a, that's five interferences in the matter of, like, six minutes. It's just... It got so overrun with interference... And the crowd fucking brought it down. I still thought it was really good. But I think it's another one of those matches that had so much hype going into it. Because we like both guys. But it didn't really... It it was... Like I said, it was great. It just didn't fucking go into a different gear. Yeah. It just felt like here. It just hit a fucking bar. It just hit the line that it was supposed to get to. And just stayed there. It didn't go anywhere else, it felt like. And that's what sucked about it. Yeah. Other than that, I still thought it was good, and I really thought this show was fucking great. Like, it's just, there's still some things in NXT that just need something. Uh, Like, again, I wish this crowd would just go. I wish they had different crowd every week. This crowd is literally the same crowd every week. Like, let's get some new fucking faces in there. Like, come on. Like, they gotta be fucking tired of seeing this every week. Like, you can't sit in front of one crowd for that long. That's why Impact, to me, feels like another reason why they don't get a lot of fucking attention from the crowd. Because they're, they tape a fucking, they tape like six shows in front of the same crowd. By yeah. the time the show gets there, you're like, you'll get the first crowd and they're like, yeah, they got some life to them. And the second one, yeah, they still got a little life to them. There's a couple people that are just like, okay, yeah, cool. And then by the third show, everyone's like, oh, okay, still good, yeah. And then they hit the fourth show, and everyone's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, impact. It's like the fucking, it's like the goddamn announcer from SpongeBob with the, he's almost a quarter of the way there, <laughs> fucking. It just, they gotta get some new people in there. They can't have the same crowd. They just, they try to fucking steal the show for themselves. And they can just 
fucking stop with that shit. Yeah. Like, it's not, they're not edgy, they're not fucking cool about it, they're just fucking stupid. Yeah, they're, it's, it doesn't help anybody with you fucking chanting fucking Walter at Gunther. Yeah, Fucking no. people in the background aren't gonna be like, ah, they're chanting Walter, let's, let's change his name back. Yeah, Or on. like, ch- chanting Uso at Solo Sokoa, they're not gonna be like, ah, let's, let's change his name to something Uso. Yeah, come like, on. It's... You chanting is not going to do anything but make you look like shit. Yes. It makes the crowd look like idiots. And they need to fucking realize that. But, that's it. We went through the week, we went through this week's two episodes, and again, we'll probably have our episode either, actually, I don't even know, we might, no, we might have our Sunday. Because we're going to have to cover Elimination Chamber, so... Actually, you know what? We might not even cover Raw and SmackDown. So, or we could do like quick little wrap-ups. Well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll we'll incorporate it during Elimination Chamber. We'll talk about some stuff that yeah, happened. Yeah, we could do like quick little summarizations. Yeah, something just to get it in there, because mainly our episode for Sunday is going to be Elimination Chamber. Yeah. Now, because I completely am forgetting that that's a fucking thing right now. But <laughs> same here. That's I was, just. I was like, when you said no, it'll actually have to be Sunday. I was like, wait, why? What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Elimination Chamber. But, again, another fun episode in the bag. We covered it. Let's just do it. We're going to wrap this up. In Time Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at JustinTime211. At JeremyInTime721. And we are out of here.